Voice. I've dug for the trigger of when I lost my voice. I dug and all I ever came up with was nothing more than a handful of times, but perhaps they were significant enough for me. When I was seven, I could sense things that didn't have a physical form. On the mile-long walk home from school, I'd be alone, except for the spirits. They were always with me. Now I know, just like us, spirits come in different flavors. But to a child, like a vice around my throat, panic only held one sharp note. Some were tricksters. The impression of a person falling in step right over my left shoulder. I'd turn, only to catch the whip of my neck. Others were like a stink eye. Arms crossed, meant to intimidate us hallies who'd claimed their land. Tucked away in the dense towel bush, they'd stare me down. Branches like weapons, a crack and pop. Their fight tied me in knots, my mind telling me I was imagining things. My heart undecided, while my sacral processor of emotions dropped with knowing. Trust yourself. Trust. I didn't have a language to bridge the disconnect. I believed they were in control. I'd run away, run for their entertainment, into the light, up the gravel driveway, around the bend. But sometimes they appeared in form too. Perhaps the irony is that growing up we weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween, considered the devil's holiday, when what I'd associate with evil was right in our home. Once in the middle of the night I woke to pee, Draped over my father's dining room chair, there was a shadow. He stood at the head of the table, shirtless. He wore a condescending smile, a goatee and sharp brows. I held my breath and forced myself to walk past him. Through him, a child can be a baby and a warrior at the same time. My fear it pleased him by the way his smile grew. I had acknowledged his presence. My boundaries were porous, which gave him permission to attach himself to me a weighted backpack that I carried for 33 years until a healer came along with tools and helped me release the load. Except he wasn't completely gone for another year after. If I'd recount the story, he'd saunter right in, a crawling stickiness suctioning up my spine. At nine, Hurricane Aniki hit Kauai. The cry of the civil defense sirens echoed over the mountain we called Sleeping Giant. Through the valley, into my bed, the storm lasted 13 hours. Our dome-shaped house like a spaceship, the wind moved over, under, around, and through. We landed better than most after the sirens never left me. For weeks, I slept on the floor of my parents' bedroom until, there isn't a better way to say, they kicked me out after I had an idea, start to a poem about Aniki, of the destruction I witnessed. My third-grade classroom turned from one of those outdoor trailers to nothing but piles of splintered wood and exposed nails. My pink Hello Kitty pencil box buried under the rubble. Parts of my childhood never recovered, like the swell of a wave, a gentle breeze of expression. My mind filled with words, with rhythm. I'd turned destruction into beauty, but the poem was never written. I like to think there was a reason I didn't begin, something profound that caused me to hide heckled or discouraged, though I'll never know, lost to the cry of the sirens, to that moment in time, that time I had something to say and didn't say it, if only I could remember more than the feeling. At 12, we moved to the deep south. We'd spent many summers with my grandma and grandpa in Atlanta, which made us more than tourists, less than residents. 
I was used to the absence of belonging. Coming from an island, I liked the air conditioning buildings. The way the grades were divided, six was middle school. I liked the idea of growing up. Until I shared of myself in language arts. Too naive to realize no one else had planned to be vulnerable that day. The teacher asked, What is one thing you wish you could change about yourself? I wished my acne would go away. I wrote it down. It was supposed to be anonymous, and it was, but she read them out loud. My truth received with my classmates' laughter. Anonymous meant the other students called out the boy who sat one row to my right and one seat behind. I didn't think about the fact that his acne would be considered worse than mine. It was. It was so much worse. So much worse when I watched his pockmarked face grow more inflamed. Black from his boots to his hair, he dressed like a goth. But his uniform couldn't hide him from my shadow. He scooted down in his seat, shook his head in denial. The other boys decided he was lying and laughed some more. I sat quiet, frozen, unable to process how it all went so wrong, how I let him take the fall. At 19, a sophomore in college, after an application, a portfolio review, there were a lot of steps I walked through to get to a place a lot of others wished they could be. I had been accepted into the fine art photography program. Surrounded by artists, I was meant to be one, hold commentary on the world around me, as if a portrait could never be just pretty. It had to be more. By then, my voice confident. Really, I was only good at hiding behind the bravado, the years where I had learned expression, wasn't worth the pain. Photographs often travel through layers to touch a part of me between yearning and awe, but loving an art form, even having an affinity toward it, doesn't make you the noun. Fatigued by the tools to create the images, chemicals and bulky equipment, hours in a dark room, only to resurface and discover the settings on my analog camera had been wrong. Art making is all about the process. Now, I willingly spent hours at my computer to craft a verse just right. Then, I wasn't devoted enough to allow the camera to become my beloved. I didn't care past completing my assignments. My professor could tell. She was pushing, as she should have. I pushed back. I told her, I don't have anything to say. What artist in art school tells their art teacher they don't have anything to say? It wasn't quite a lie because I didn't, not yet, and not through photography. By 25, I used my voice. I used it mostly to explain how I could do all of it better than them. I thought myself a leader, but I only followed assistant to the wedding photographer, assistant to the shop manager, assistant to the green event planner, volunteer at the environmental nonprofit. It didn't matter. I could do it better. It's just, I never did. Stuck at 7, 9, 12, 19, 25, I criticized everyone like I criticized myself. There is one sign you can use to spot a blocked artist. Look no further than the finger they're pointing at you. At 30, after my mother died, parts of me died too. The terrified little girl, the humiliated teenager, the avoidant student, the self-righteous critic. Once buried under too many layers of shame, once my mother died, and within the years that followed, I met my true voice. Covered in soot and soil, I rose. Licked by wind and fire, I rose. 
armed with a lifetime's worth of understanding, with me as my only witness, I took my first breath. I found I had a lot to say. I'm Jasmine Rasmussen, author and narrator of Saved, a memoir on purpose. Join me weekly for an oral telling of my novel, written in verse and prose, broken into short, digestible episodes. I'll guide you through my journey back to self. Click the link below to subscribe or go to jasmineleahrasmussen.substack.com to find out more.